I'm creator and host Kat Lively, and welcome to Calling Old Hollywood, the podcast where because of the future, the past will not be forgotten. For more updates, news, and information, visit callingoldhollywood.com. And don't forget to visit the YouTube channel where you can watch the podcasts and step back in time with me as I take you to classic Hollywood and historic locations. Without further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Calling Old Hollywood. I'm your host, Kat Lively, and my guest this week is Scott Schwartz. Hey! Hello there! This is your second time back on. I think the first was the first time during the pandemic. Probably. Yeah. Oh, my God. We had nothing else to do. I know, right? Yeah. Why don't we start a podcast? You are an actor. You've done a, a whole lot of films. How's life been since you've last been on? I have no complaints. You know, it's uh, life keeps going and uh, you, you kind of just make your way and, you know, you get back to normal and no more masks and nonsense and all this stuff yeah. and you try and live life again you know you go back to getting out of the house and running around and, and seeing people and, and working it's been so interesting how have you acclimated back to kind of normal shall we say even though it's really still not completely normal i you know i didn't really change all that much during the pandemic you know i mean you yeah you, you, you go out you had to wear a mask and all that kind of stuff but it didn't change me as a person, you know, and I, I'm not one of those people that go into panic mode and, oh my God, I'm like, I'm like, no, what's going to happen is going to happen and life is life. Yeah, definitely. You know, there, there, there's, there's differences between existing in life and living life. Yeah. And I wasn't going to just give up years of my life to exist. I, I, I lived, you know, I traveled, I went, I did. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy, you know, things are getting back to almost normal right right i know we're still it's it's this weird flux where it's still with the news and everything going on you know we're all kind of like what's i feel like we're living in this weird constant state of fear this is so jolly isn't it <laughs> um, but it's real um and that's what's important but yeah it's you like, can't live in fear you can't live yeah. in fear the, the weird, but everything that goes on with like the, the culture, the news and stuff, they're trying to like, you know, feed us into this weird corner. You get it. It's I'm, a control I'm, thing. It yeah. really is a control thing at the end of the day. Now, yeah. you know, absolutely. Uh, COVID was the thing with the masks and the this. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you understand that you can get in your car and be wearing a mask and still have a drunk driver hit you. I don't understand. I got to tell you, I don't understand people who wear masks when they're driving. Alone, yes. Oh, no. Yesterday, yes. Don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I just I'm like, okay, ready, all right. Makes no sense. No, no, it doesn't. We're gonna talk Christmas story. Christmas. Um, when was that filmed? Uh, they started in um January of this year. Okay, they started so shooting. They, we shot January, February, uh, March, and into the beginning of April, like mid mid April, I think, is when they were done. Okay. And when was it, where was it on location in LA? We shot in Sofia, Bulgaria. Oh my gosh. Why? Uh, money, you know, yeah. the, the, uh, the Lev, which is their dollar. Yeah. Uh, it's like 1.75 Lev American dollar. So right. it was very advantageous money wise. Right. Um, there's no unions over there. That's okay. not to say they didn't pay them anything. Right. You know, but where, uh, let's say uh, a crew guy, whether it's a driver, wardrobe, whoever it is, uh, the construction, and they would get, you know, let's say 200 or 250 lev a day. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's only a hundred and some dollars US. Mm -hmm. But in the States, union guys are getting four or five hundred dollars a day. Right. Right. So, it's just so the savings is tremendous and they have full sound stages. They yeah. get back lots, nice. you know. Was that your first time to Bulgaria? That was my first time to Europe, period. What was that like for you? A long-ass flight. <laughs> uh, I no, I, I uh, <laughs> having never done that trip, and I don't like, I, I'm good on a plane six, six and a half hours. Okay, after that, get me off. I'm like four. I'm four and I'm ready. I'm like, let's see. Yeah. I've gone New York, LA so many times. It's, you know, yeah. whatever. But 
my brother, who's a pharmaceutical technician, he says to me, okay, stay up four to five hours, take this thing called Sleep 3. You can get it at Walgreens, whatever. It's an over-the-counter. It'll yep. knock you out. I said, okay. <laughs> so it's called Sleep 3. So I thought maybe one pill is good for three to four hours, two pills is six hours, three pills is nine or ten. Okay. So I took three pills. Really, I shouldn't. I should have taken two. Oh, no. So I kind of overdid it. Yeah. So I went to sleep probably somewhere around Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was um, Los Angeles, 13 and a half, almost 14 hours to Istanbul in Turkey. Jesus, yeah. And then you have a, a small layover, and then you go to Sofia, Bulgaria. Oh. So God. I was out. And the next thing I know, I've got the woman from Turkish Airways that we flew over there. And she's kind of pulling on my shirt. Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott, please wake up, Mr. Scott. We're landing oh soon. God. We're landing soon. <laughs> so I got up and, you know, you got to readjust the chair that everything lays flat and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I mean, literally it was 15 minutes and the wheels came down. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, uh, so, I mean, it wasn't as bad, you know, but coming back, it was a little different. Get the stewardess yeah. a heart attack, mini heart attack. Yeah. Wake up. <laughs> yeah, right. Please wake up. Uh, but no, I mean, Bulgaria was was an interesting country, you know, about, you know, over half the people, probably 70 percent speak English. You know, the other the others are still uh, used to being under Russian rule and, 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 you know, the Soviet Union. Yeah. You know, they're not. I don't, to, I don't want to say they're not big fans of Americans because if that would be a bad statement. I mean, who I would I'm embarrassed for us right now, frankly. They're not very friendly. I wouldn't be no, no. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, wait, they're not they're not very friendly. Yeah. Right? So if you're on the street and you're walking and tons of people walking around with and you say hi to somebody, yeah, they look at you. Oh my god. You know, they give you that that growl and this this scowl on scowl, their face. Yeah. I'm like I said, hi. I'm smiling. Would you be friendly? They're just that's not what they do, you know. Yeah, damn, that sucks. <laughs> Noted. Oh my god, I'm going to Europe next year, and that's so. I, I haven't been either, so this will be the first time like over that. But maybe it's, I'll take that sleep three. <laughs> and it's very interesting to hear how people describe our country. Yeah. Um, you know the difference in leadership mm-hmm. between how one party acts and how another party acts. Very little homeless, very little. Like it's elite, basically illegal. It's it, they don't call it illegal, but when they find somebody on the street, somebody will call the police. The police come, they take them, they take them to a center. Wow. They evaluate them, they find them a place to live. They literally, this is what they do, you know. If only they would do that here in LA. I mean, you know, it's like they're giving, they're just putting them on bus tickets and sending them to San Jose. You know, it's like, it's so much. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, yeah, they, they just, you know, we, we have different rules, laws. You know, now if you, you grab somebody, oh, don't touch me. You're in violation of my civil rights. It's like, no, no, dude, we want to give you a house. We want to give you a place to live in food. What what do you, what do you, you know, and they right. don't get it. Yeah. Just and uh, it's, it's, it's not a good situation. And yet. We just had an election and the same people are still here and the people vote for the same people. And I'm like, what are you doing? Happening. They're not fixing a problem. I'm, I worry for the, I worry for this country. I worry for the future. I tell people all the time, you know, people go, do you want kids? Do you want this? Do you want that? I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm good. Just want to live. Just want to make art, you know? <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, yeah we're it's, all different. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's scary. Yeah. The more we don't address problems and issues, they become bigger problems, problems and issues. And that's kind of where we are. Yeah. You know, we've got cities that protect people who break the law. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they, they, they take care of them better than they do the victims of the crimes. And it's just like, really? And this is what we're doing. And, and the normalized the um, the rates it's supposed to be Christmas episode. We went the whole other direction. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the like the rates too of crime, like the things that I see every time I go on social media, and it's just like another murder, another this, another that. It's just like it's becoming so normalized that we are so desensitized. We're getting desensitized. because we're not doing the right things. No, you know, I'm I'm not gonna say 
I'm an extremist where, you know, you steal right. something in, in, in the Mideast, you steal something, they chop your hand off. No, I'm not going to go there. Right. But when we see pedophiles, molesters, rapists, mm-hmm. people who harm other people. Yeah. They walk, they get into the jail at eight o'clock at night and they're out by oh. 11. Oh, no bail. Yeah. And yet, so they harmed people in a physical manner. Yeah. In, in that dramatic way. Right. But yet the woman that started that pharmaceutical thing and whatever, and she committed fraud and she gets 11 years in prison. Yes, exactly. You know, what did she do? Okay. So she, she, she monetized it. She, she fraudulently monetized whatever. Yeah. So she hurt people in a pocketbook. Well, that's not rape. Right. That's not child molestation. That's not list extent for these physical. But it, yeah, it's just, we're going the so guy, fast. the guy in New York that, yeah. you know, pulverized his wife goes to jail at nine o'clock. He's out at midnight. And the next morning she's taking the kids to school and he kills her. It's just now, how does that happen? It's ridiculous. How does this man walk in the streets after three hours? Oh, no cash bail. No this, no that. Really? It's so upsetting. It's just so upsetting, you know. Um, I don't have any answer for it. It's just it's so it's frustrating to see. You have like, you have to have a rule of law to have a country. Yeah. And if you have no rule of law, anarchy reigns, and that's what's going on right now. I think that's what people are also taking advantage of. It's like you know, a few months ago, I went through something. I was like robbed and, you know, in a grocery store parking lot. Um, and there was footage, there was camera footage. Um, and it turned out to be my landlord's daughter, you know, and like, I knew this for a fact. I took it down to the police station, um, all of it, you know, and and the way that she did it, it was like, she's definitely done this before. Um, and I never got a, I went to the down to the precinct, filled out all the details, every single thing gave, you know, camera footage. I gave him everything, never followed up, never did anything, you know, it just, it's like, and I talked to a lawyer friend of mine. He was like, well, you know, people aren't persecuting, prosecuting, um, as much as they were because they're just so overrun that, that they don't, they're just letting certain things, you know, I'm like, it's just, but that's not where, like how, like, where did we get to that, you know, it's the not necessarily defunding of the police, yeah, but it's putting handcuffs on them so they can't do their job, yeah. It's you know, just, this is their job. This is what they do. But the, but now they, they it's like they don't want police to do their job anymore. You know, we've no. got the you know the people that are running the cities and the prosecutors and the, and the uh, um the higher ups that are just going now, you know, stealing, stealing Stealing is stealing. Well, how did they arbitrarily come up with a number? Well, if you steal, if you steal less than $950, we're not going to prosecute you. Huh? Yeah. It used to be, Oh, it's an eyeglass case or a candy bar in the cuffs. Yeah. Now they, they did this and it's created uh, uh, the, the the chains of stores, be it Walgreens, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's another one that that it ha- kept happening to, another pharmacy place. They closed the stores in those areas because they were getting consistently robbed. Yeah, and, and security people, is, and security isn't doing anything either. It's like I've been. What to they, they, I've they don't want them to do anything. Yeah, it's like what is the point? I don't know. You know, that's. Nah, uh, craziness not good no not good no all right let's get back on the film and then all the jingle mary stuff now that everyone's properly depressed (laughs) um so all right how i haven't seen christmas story christmas yet let's go back to the origin of christmas story for a little bit for viewers who didn't see the first episode um All, all four of them yeah, exactly. All of all the stuff. Talk to me about your audition, um, the very first Christmas story, about how all of this transpired for you. Uh, I had just 
Well, it was kind of like one of those things that three things happened at once. I had just finished another film uh, on December 10th. Yes. The toy opened in the theaters on December 10th. And Bob Clark was looking for his flick. He was mm-hmm. looking for his guy with the sense of humor and all that. Yeah. Um, five days later, I was back home in New Jersey and went to New York for the audition. And Bob had no interest in having me read anything. He just wanted to talk to me. Went up. We talked. <clears throat> he says, um, hey, I didn't have any lunch. You want to go downstairs and have a hot dog? We were in Manhattan. Yeah. Went downstairs, as they say, had a dirty water dog from the corner hot dog vendor. Yep. We talked for a few minutes, went back upstairs. And he said, Scotty, I tell you, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming in. I said, you want me to read something? No, nah, you're all good. Okay. And 10 minutes later, I was in my agent's office because she didn't, her office wasn't that far away. Yeah. She asked me what I did. I told her. She said, great. You got the job. What? That was it. So he had just, he had called her um, probably in between the walk? Yeah. Oh. He had, he'd gone to the theaters. He saw the toy. He knew yeah. I'd done another film. <coughs> and pretty much knew that I could do anything. Yeah. And Flick was a character where he was fun. And he could tell jokes and kind of have that personality thing. And, of course, the tongue of the flagpole, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know, if there was somebody very dry who didn't have... Uh, experience or knowledge of, of ad-libbing and just coming up with whatever, Yeah, you know, he probably wouldn't have hired that guy, but I had all those things. Yes. So the quality, charisma, the looks, all of it. Yeah. So you do a lot of um, conventions, festivals, things like that. Tell me mm-hmm. about some of your most memorable, because obviously we see each other a lot at the Hollywood show. Um what are some of your most memorable um, fans that have come up to you with stories and things like that? Oh, uh, you know, people and I've had people that have gotten tattoos of the leg lamp. Oh you know, I've yeah. had people that come up to me with tattoos of Richard Pryor, you That's know, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, one of the most heartwarming ones, though. Yeah. We, had, we were at the... Uh, the opening of the house in Cleveland, which I don't really discuss too much of, but whatever. So we're there, and there was an elderly couple. Mm-hmm. And they were in a line of people and whatever, you know. And um, the wife came up to me first, and the husband was, you know, behind her talking to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we started chit-chatting, where are you from? And she's a very nice woman, and she was like in her 80s. Yeah. And she's like, you know... My husband and I, we've been here our whole lives and we have all of our friends have moved to Florida and I can't get him to get on a plane and all this stuff, whatever. Oh, you know, okay. So he comes and we started chit-chatting. And I said to him, I said, listen, your wife wants you to move. Get the hell out of here. Go to Florida where it's nice and warm. Go see your friends. And he's like, but I don't know anything else. Yeah. You know, he was like 86 or something. And he's like, I've been here my whole life. And I said, where have you gone? Tell me places you visited. And everything was within a car ride. Literally within a car ride, this man's whole life. And I said, listen, get in the car and take a two-day drive, three-day drive down to Florida. Go see your friends. You'll love it. And he told me where where his friends were and all this. Okay. And they were very nice people. You know, big fans. Love the movie, all that stuff. (laughs) Flash flash forward a couple years later. We were back in Cleveland and this elderly couple comes up and I, you know, it kind of took me a minute to put the A and B together, you know, and the wife looked great. And she's like, oh my God, we were so happy you come back. I had to tell you what happened. Two months after you spoke, my husband finally agreed to go. We moved to Florida. We moved by our friends and we just came back here to see you guys and say thank you. That's amazing. See, you did it. You got that guy to leave the car ride town. Yes. Wow. And they were such huge fans of the movie. It was like anything I said, you know, he appreciated and he, and he, and he took in and, you know, she told me it took a little talking, but she got him to do it. And big, big reason was because I said to him, go, it's beautiful. There's no winter. Come on. What are you doing? You know? Yeah. That's adorable though. I mean, what is it? And that's gotta be just, 
when you were, you know, when you, when you obviously you were a child when you did this film, but at what point did you realize like the impact that the film had to kind of like with this kind of stuff, you know, to influence others and, you know, this I mean, it's not office. really until, you know, 98, 99, 2000, it's, you know, 15, 16, 17 years after the film comes out, they started the marathon and it really went from the small group of people that were the core fans. Then it, blossomed out to the vhs fans yeah and then the marathon really just blew it blew it up that's pretty you know to 98 percent of the general public in 55 60 million homes watch this thing you know. this, do you stay in contact with the cast uh quite a bit or a few of them yeah yeah, yeah, with friends. I mean, you'd have to be, you know, like lifelong, I guess. You guys have been through. It's like a family. We're at 39 years of, you know, I mean, I'm the oldest, so I'm the big brother to everybody else. You know, I don't care how successful. It doesn't make any difference, whether it's Zach, Peter, Ian, R.D., Jan, doesn't matter. I'm the oldest. So when, every, when somebody's got something, the older brother's got to take care of it. So I got to take care of all the boys. So, you so, know, I mean, I was almost fi- I was almost 15 when we did the film. Yeah. You know, I just look younger. Youngin, yeah, yeah. No, you definitely did. Baby face, you know. Definitely. What um God, so what is your what does your own family think about Christmas story, about everything that this has been for you? It's been kind of weird, or they just they're so you they're obviously they're so used to it. It's been yeah, so weird. we're used to it, you know. You know, it, uh, it took my brother a little while to kind of adjust to it because you know, he has his own life and his own friends and all of those things and you know, growing up, it was tough for him because he was the movie star's little brother and all that kind of crap, you know, whatever. Um, the great big shadow. He's, he's, uh, he's getting, more, he's much more used to it now and much more proud of it and he understands it. Yeah. You know, we talked about it, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, being a nice Jewish family, it's like, okay, so I'm in a Christmas iconic film. Great, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, we still go out for Chinese. We, we have Chinese on Christmas, like whatever, okay. Yeah, it is an interesting like irony to it though. That's that's pretty wonderful. Um, what about modern? As far as like obviously being Jewish, being in this Christmas film, has it impacted? Has it like I don't I don't know. Are you are you fond of the whole holiday season? <laughs> You're just yeah. kind of like whatever. It's such a weird thing it's got to be to be in that position of being in this like super culty Christmas film. Oh yeah, you get 3 uh, 3 months of insanity. <laughs> you know, and then That's come, close. you know, come January it's like who are you? Yeah. Yeah, no you kidding. Know. Um I mean I have fun with it. I that just doesn't bother me, you know, but I mean there are things that I do um specific to the film like December 23rd. Mm-hmm. I have to go on my Facebook page. I have, you know, 4,000 plus people on it, whatever. And I literally have to go, okay, gang, it's that time again. Right. You don't have to tag me and tell me I'm on TBS tomorrow. I know. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. You know, yeah. I, I don't have to get every meme ever created. Yeah. That's no, good. no, but thanks. You know, I know I've, I've seen them. They're out there, you know, it's like the literal Christmas story storm. Like you have to mentally prepare for every year. <laughs> uh, no, no. See, I'm actually, I'm going to my phone because this was yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a guy that I know for, Oh my God, 25, 30 years. Uh, so there he is. You know, I mean, he sends me the, the, the memes and stuff. Oh my, yeah. What is it? I can't read it. What does it say? Oh, it says, uh, wow. And I thought getting your tongue stuck to a metal, to metal was bad. Oh my God. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God. I, mean, I get this stuff every day. And these are people I know for 20 years, 30 years. I'm it like, starts really? in November. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, October. October. Okay. Before Halloween. <laughs> October, November, December. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's a lot. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more too about you know the the toy everything you know other films that you've done working with Richard Pryor. Now we mentioned all of this too in the first episode. I don't want to be too redundant, but you know for the listeners who didn't catch all of that, you really did quite a few really wonderful films that were that are very memorable. 
Well, the toy was uh, was an amazing experience, of course. You know, Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason, Ned Beatty, Wilfred Hyde-Wright, Teresa Ganzel, director Richard Donner, producer Ray Stark. Yeah, I mean, just, it was like on it. I mean, I jackpotted coming out of the shoot, really, for my first film to, uh, I don't want to say be entrusted with, but being a co-star with those guys, um, Richard Donner had a lot of faith in me, you know, and uh, it showed. It, it was great, you know. I mean, it was it's it's the priceless experience. And it, I'm sure that refined you so quickly, like working with legends and working, you know, being on these sets and really just learning the schematics, how everything worked. You know, I remember you saying in the first episode that we did what um, Richard Pryor was really like a big influence to you, taught you a lot. Oh, he, he, Richard was the best, you know, my first day of shooting, I had had a hard time because nobody realized that nobody told me what ad-libbing was, mm-hmm. you know, Gleason would never stick, stick to a script. It was whatever came out. That's what came out. Yeah. Nobody tells me this. And the first day, my first day of shooting was in the toilet. Mm-hmm. I blew it completely because I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Almost got fired. You know, and that night was in the hotel and Richard called me and talked to me and said, come over to my room. And we talked and he taught me what to do. You know, so uh, one of the hundreds and hundreds of conversations he and I had over the the, the course of the shooting and then rest of my life, you know, rest of his life. um, It's a tremendous influence teacher. He was my muse. He was my go-to. He was my, I got to call up and ask him a question. Yeah. You know. No, absolutely. Do you still, do you ever go back and like watch old like specials and other films and stuff that he did sometimes? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, Richard, please. I mean, I, you know, I mean, Richard Pryor, Live in a Sunset Strip, Live in Concert, um, yeah. you know, Stir Crazy, uh, Blazing Saddles. He's, you know, writer on that. And um, yeah. Silver Streak. Yeah. No, I'm, I was a, fan of his to start off with and Gleason same thing you know I'm a honey I was a honeymooners guy uh love the hustler love smoking a bandit total junkie yes you know so I appreciated old Hollywood before I ever got there right you know and uh their willingness to talk to me you know I wasn't a stupid kid I didn't ask stupid questions Right. I didn't make an ass out of myself. I carried myself in a professional manner. Yes. So they treated me more like a peer and an equal than, oh, that's the kid. Right. Absolutely. Big, big difference. Yeah. Of of the treatment I got, you know, that I probably wouldn't have gotten if I was a schmuck. You know, if I was just a stupid little kid. And when did you... I mean, obviously, like learning the ropes from them refined you. But did you walk onto the set that way? Was there just this inner confidence that you had, or was that definitely acquired, or or did someone say say something to you like that? Hey, do this instead of that. Like, well, like I said, it was really. I mean, you. I was told, you think you're smart. Yeah, you've done hundreds of commercials. You've done Broadway. You've done off Broadway. This is your first movie. You know what that means? You know nothing. Mm-hmm. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your eyes and your ears open and learn everything. Right. And then the first day comes and I totally throw it in the toilet. You know, Phil Feldman, the producer, basically told me, you know, you basically got two days to fix this or you're fired. And it was Richard that really pulled my ass out of the fire, as they say, and talked to me. Right. And gave me a couple of hour lesson on ad-libbing and what to do and how to react and all those different things that the first day of shooting was with Gleason. Then I had a day off and I went to the set with Richard and he said, watch me. Mm-hmm. Then the third day I was with Richard shooting and bang, no problem. We were on the money. Here we go. You know, you got the road and, uh, and Phil and, 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 uh, Richard Donner and Ray Stark are like, you're fine. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. Now, now do the rest like you did today. We're all good. Okay. 
Salem. Did you notice a difference between you and your peers on set? There like was a, only one kid on the set. Well, as far as like Christmas story. Um, I was more refined than they were. You know, I don't think that they knew it because mm-hmm. of my personality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I literally can go to from zero to a hundred at the drop of a dime. So it's like, I can be telling jokes Yep. and they, and, and you know, whatever. And they're like, no, no. Okay. Let's get set and action. it. I can just do it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, none of them had done a film, you know, Peter, I don't think Peter had done films. He had done, um, television and he had done TV movies of the week. Um, Zach and Yano and Ian and RD, they hadn't done films yet. I was the only one that really had done a film. And, uh, so I knew the process much better. And I had also done kid co, which I was the star of. Yes. Um, and Ron Maxwell, who was a director, was great. And he let me do my thing. You know, there, there was things with scheduling and what we did and the process. And, you know, I was putting in 15, 16, 17-hour days. Yeah. That's I wanted to get the film done because of scheduling and whatever. Yeah. But Ron Maxwell was great in letting me do that. And it basically just, it built up my my confidence you know, to the point where, you know, my father described me as Godzilla. Mm. He was like, just get on his back. He will ride you to the finish line. Yeah. And it didn't make any difference what I was doing. They're like, listen, we can't this. No, no, you, you're not hearing me. Get on Scotty's back. He will ride you to the finish line. Yeah. You know, if you put it in his hands, you're going to get it done. And that was at 14 and 15 years old. I mean, it's really unheard of. Some people are just born with it though. You know, it's like you had that instinctual yeah. technique within you where you just, you know, like they said, you know, wind them up and let them go. Exactly. You know? so and I got, and I got a lot of from Richard. Yeah. Because he was that way. He would sit on the set, be very studious, underlining things, highlighting things, whatever. Yeah. You know, he was very, he wanted to uh, expand his mind always, you know, and he was a master right. storyteller. So it helped, you know, form, other stories that he would tell about life and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I watched him and I learned from him. Yeah. So at the same time, you know, it was, he'd be joking around with Gleason on the set or Teresa or me or whatever it was. And the minute you get into place and actually, he just just did it. You just had that. So you just mentioned Teresa. Do you, you know, Billy then too? Teresa. I loved them. They're, they're two of my favorite people in the world. Well, he finally got hitched. It took him long enough, you know. Right. It was the, the decades of, of dating, and they There's, finally said, oh, okay, I guess we'll go do this. They are two of the sweetest people I adore so much. Um, small world. It is really a small world. Um, so who are some of your, talking about people that you've worked with, who are some of your, or, you know, influences, other than who you've worked with? Um... It could be classic or modern. Could be whatever. Yeah, no. I mean, I was always a fan of Cagney. Love Gary Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Heston. Um, but yet Abbott and Costello. Of course. You know, uh, oh God, uh, Al Jolson. You know, I I loved his singing and and what he did back in the day. You know, and today it's like, ooh, and I'm like, I know. Whatever. Um. Terrific. A spam risk. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there are people that you love that, that a uh, John Travolta, you yeah. know, but I'm not six foot tall. I'm not going to be able to do what he could do. So, you know, there's different things, you know, the Cagney I always loved. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you pick up things from different people that you enjoy watching and you're kind of like, okay, you know, Quiet, I, can yeah. do. I mean, there's a lot of comedians beside, you know, Gleason and Pryor, you know, Course. I mean, I loved Red Fox and I loved, you know, Chappelle is hilarious and um, yeah. Yakov Shmirnoff, you know, and, and and Robin Williams and Billy Crystal, you know, yeah. um, you enjoy them. You can emulate them. You can you can imitate them. You, you know, you kind of just find your own thing. Yeah. You take these little things that you adore, kind of apply accordingly, you know. It keeps it. It also just it keeps it all going. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I worked at the comedy. I worked at the comedy store 
in uh, know that. in in the late eighties, early nineties. What'd you do? I was a doorman. Yeah. Okay. I worked a lot. I worked. I worked the original room. I worked the main room. I worked a lot. Whatever you know. So getting to see Sam Kinison, Jim Carrey, Andrew okay. Dice Clay five days a week. Sam Kinison, man, was just you know? out of this world. Yeah. Oh, he was. You know, I, he was a nut crazy man. Yeah. But if you got a chance just to sit down and and as we say, just BS. Yeah. You know, away from all of the act. Yeah. He was a cool guy. You know, I mean, we had great conversations. You know, Jim Carrey, you know, back then, you know, just he was a fun guy. And and I mean, there was a just a ton of guys that that, you know, I always thought could be the next so and so, you know. Mm-hmm. There was a comedian, Stephen Pearl. I yeah. just love this guy. He's a Robin Williams s kind of an act. I mean, you know the, the things that he does, and he's great. Yeah. Never got, never got that one like step it. that somebody said, "Yes, you're going to be on television," you know, on a series, and he never got that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Dice was cool, and he had his moments, and okay, fine, you know, and. I was there the night that Sam almost killed him, you know, went home, got the gun, came back, wanted to shoot him, you know, whatever, oh, put a bullet hole, put a I bullet hole in the comedy story. store sign. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, somebody at Sam's house called the original room in the booth and said, hey, uh, you better tell Dice to leave because Sam's got his 38. He's coming. It's loaded. He's going to kill him. Oh, my God. So there's a back staircase to uh, upstairs called the belly room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Dice is sitting there and I said, uh, Andrew, you better get out of here. You know, Sam's coming, you know, Oh, this, that, no dude, he's got his gun. He's going to shoot you. I suggest you get in the car and go home. Oh my God. So he left. And five minutes later, we could hear the Mustang coming up sunset. And we knew it was Sam. Yeah. And he had a convertible Mustang and literally he drives up onto the sidewalk of the comedy store. Doesn't pull the drive. He's on the sidewalk. And the top is down and he's waving the gun. Where is that blah, blah, blah? I'm going to kill him. And and we're telling him he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. And he goes toward the walkway to the back of the comedy store. And all of a sudden, and the bullet ricocheted and hit the sign at the back of the walkway. It says the comedy store. And there was a bullet hole in it. Mitzi left that sign that way for... 15 years. Oh my God. You know, yeah. I'm standing, I was 10 feet away from him when he, you know, Jeez Louise. what was she? I've heard so many stories about her. God, I wish that I had been born sooner so much. All right. So, so oh, cat, it's Mitzi. Oh, you are funny. <laughs> you know, you, you, you haven't been good at, you know, three more months, work it out and showcase for me in three months. Oh, no problem. You know, and then three months later, you know, you'd be doing your thing and, Okay, you're a little bit bad, you know. Oh, you're so wonderful, you know. Give it, give it another three months, yeah. Yes, yes. Betsy was a was a very nice old Jewish lady. That's what she was, you know. And and she uh, she ran the place the way that she saw fit, you know. And and uh, she knew talent because of the years and years and years of experience. Yeah, you know. I, and of course, she got lucky like everybody else because when you have Leno and Letterman and Pryor and Robin Williams and Whoopi and Roseanne and, you know, these monsters of comedy coming through your doors over the course of these years. Mm -hmm. People in the door, you can pay the bills. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the location, too, of the Sunset Strip. Of course, people flocked there. But that was um, it was Ciro's before Mm -hmm. comedy started. Seventy. I think 72 or 73 is when it turns into the comedy store. Yeah. Then and, I and know. of course, you know, of course, Paulie, mm-hmm. he's there his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he got the benefits of knowing how to run a club. Talent. Of course. Yeah. Does he you still, because he owns it now, right? Mm-hmm. It, he, so he's still heavily involved with all the inner workings and things or. Sure. I mean, he has a booker and he has people that, that do a lot of the legwork that he doesn't have to do, but he has to oversee stuff, you know? Right. Right. If the numbers go down. Why is this happening? If, you know, we're not ordering enough food or booze or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. 
I used to go there so much before the pandemic and I haven't been back nearly as, as often in a couple of years now, I guess. Jesus. I've yeah. been in a long time. It's the last time I went, which is probably seven, eight years ago, something like that. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's all newer people. Yeah, of course. Do you have any favorite modern comedians? Sebastian. And I can never pronounce his last name. I know you're talking about though. Same. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a guy out of New Jersey, Mike Marino, mm -hmm. who is hilarious. Him yeah. I just love. I have to look him um, up. You know, it's really got to be somebody who has something special for me to be a fan. Yeah. Because I saw it. I was exposed to You're it. there. You get to, again, yeah. with that too, it's like you got, you get spoiled. You get desensitized in like the best of the best, the creme de la creme of comedy. Oh, uh, you know, um, and again, there's a lot of people that, that people won't know, but Carl Edwards, Paul Henderson, Greg Eagles, mm -hmm. um, Finus Henderson, Roger Bear, who's now, he's gone. John Campanera, great guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, so much talent was there. Yeah. And now it's like, I'll sit and I'll watch somebody. Oh, this guy is great. And I'll be like, he's okay. It's all right. Yeah. No, you, know? you, you were there. You saw it. You it, know, it, I was there during, they, they call it like the second golden era with all the right. people that I mentioned before. Yes. Um, and when I, the last time I went to the store, you know, a few of the people were talking to me and I mean, uh, Eleanor Kerrigan, who was a waitress back in the day when I worked there, Mm -hmm. She opens for Andrew Dice Clay now, mm -hmm. you know, for years now she's open for him. Totally. Eddie Griffin was there and prior and um, so they, they, somebody would be like, Oh, Scotty was here. And da, 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 da. and then everybody wants to ask me questions because I was there for all those people. You should just write a book and put a big chapter about the comedy store in it. Yep. That's, that's no? in the book. Yeah. That's yes. in the book. That's absolutely. coming. Absolutely. Cause that is so, so important to document. Tell us more about it. I want to hear more about this book. Uh, it's a roller coaster. It's yes. the good, the great, the bad, the ugly. Good. I don't, I don't sugarcoat anything. You mean it's life? Bullshit. Huh? I said, you mean life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it's 300 pages. I'm not cheating anybody, you know, and my, I was going to be published just before COVID. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was in the publishing process, I should say. Yeah. And my publisher basically filed bankruptcy. So now I have to get a new publisher and all that. So I figure by next year it'll be out. Okay, fine. You know, but um, yeah. I mean, there's there's chapters on everything from, you know, the different athletes I've, I've known and become friends with along the way, my career, the different movies, the comedy store, uh, different paths I've taken to where we are now. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. What's the most... Uh meaningful i guess not chapter in the book but just in general for you what's been the the one of the most favorite i don't know either whether it's a project or a job or or an event or something that you've done what what's made you the most what's made you the happiest um i mean it's an interesting question because i'm i'm fairly level headed and i don't really go high and I don't really go low anymore. You know, there are different parts of your life you do. Of course. Um, having the interactions with people that I've been fans of, that I've loved and adored, who have been good and kind and sweet and appreciative, yeah. you know. Totally. Um, whether it was Michael Jordan or Tom Hanks or Sugar Ray Leonard or Julia Serving, Dr. J, who's been my friend for over 40 years, and Ray, I've known over 40 years. Um it's, it's been a, it's been a blast, you know, I mean, the way I, and it's describing the book, if people get through the book and they go, oh my God, this poor guy, I've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I want them to, to, to see and read the good, the bad, the great, the ugly, get to the end and go, holy shit. Yeah. This guy has had a life of fun and, and good things. And, uh, uh, you know, when you bring a smile to people's faces for decades and yeah. hopefully continue to do so, you know, it, it that is a big thing. It's, you know, it, 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 I'll say warms my heart. It makes me feel good that I've brought joy to people's lives and, 
you, you're almost a part of their family at this point, you know, from the years of them watching you. Yeah. You know, and we get invites to dinners, you know, but, but I met you seven minutes ago and you want me to come for Thanksgiving, you know? Right. It's because right. they, they, they treat you like family. Yeah. You know, you've been, um, yeah, it's almost like an extension. They've watched you growing up and. I mean, at the same time, then it's the, the things that have nothing to do with show business. Yeah. You know, my friends that I've known forever, my friend Dave since kindergarten and Kenny since second grade and Andy since sixth grade and Bobby since sixth grade, my inner core of guys that I'm still friends with, mm -hmm. you know, from the beginnings to the middle and the movies and all the insanity and stupidity and whatever. Right. And we're still here and we're still, the, we're best of friends, the band of brothers and I mean, that means as much to me as, as almost anything, because, you know, we, we, as people, we don't trust, mm -hmm. we don't love enough. We don't care, care, very yeah. selfish, you know, and I have a core group of, of friends, brothers, sisters, that are not my brothers and sisters, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, that it's like your tribe. You're there for them. They're there for you. Yeah. 24 seven. It don't make any difference. If I need to talk to Vito, you know, at 10 o'clock at night here, I go, okay, it's one o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. Do I really got to call him? Is he going to be up? You know what? I sent him a text. Are you awake? Yeah. Call me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it means a lot to somebody's life when you just don't know and you don't know who to trust. You know, that's one of the things of fame and notoriety is you just don't know why people are coming at you. Do they yeah. want something? Yeah. Or are they just a good person? And yeah. I've whittled, I've whittled out most of the schmucks. Yeah, definitely. You know, because, you know, in Hollywood is such a weird town, you know, it's like it is, it's it, it is when you find of manage, it took me a while. It's like seven years now being in, in almost eight and you know, I did music professionally in my early 20s. And that was where I saw, you know, I, I kind of, I think that's part of why I didn't want to do it anymore was because so many really fake people started, oh, you know, so and so and it happens too with the podcast and all the other different stuff. Now it's people go, can you give me so and so's number or this or that or they just, you know, it's like they all want something. I'm like, you know, the life that I've had, like, just, you know, I lost, it just, well, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get that. You know, you know it's, it's funny because I do other things I've done. Yeah. I started a trading card line called Americana, which was celebrity driven instead of sports people. It was celebrity signing autographs and they make trading cards or whatever. Cool. And there's nothing like asking somebody, Oh, do you have so-and-so's phone number? It's not because I want something for nothing. It's because, Hey, I got a couple thousand bucks or whatever. Yeah. Just sign these little stickers. Let's have lunch. Yeah. Or a cup of coffee. Yes. And I want to put money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. so people are more apt. Burt Reynolds, great example. Yeah. I go to Burt Reynolds' house. I'm doing a thing with him. Okay, fine. We started talking about Gleason and all the okay, fine. And I just dropped it. I said, Hey, listen, if any you think any of your friends would want to do this, yes. I got money. I got a budget. I got to do these things. He's like, hang on. And he went to the phone and he called somebody. Didn't tell me who he was calling up. He calls him on the phone. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Better. Hey, listen, there's a kid going to come to your house 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. You're going to sign some uh, little things for trading cards. He's going to bring you money. All right, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Click. Mm -hmm. What was that? So he comes over and he writes down an address. Did you write down? He didn't say who it was. And I go, um, Bert, I, I, I kind of need to know who I'm going to see. Oh, it's Dom. So he, was, he set me up with Dom DeLuise. Oh my God, no. Go take him, you know. You know, and, and he didn't say to me, make sure you're fair. Make sure you pay him the right. No, no, go. He'll sign. You'll pay. And that's it. Okay. Connected it, yeah. That so was that's difference. That's a good, you know, when it's, when it's like that, I've had people that go, can I have Natalie Wood's daughter's number? I want to talk to her about how she thinks she died. I'm going, you know. no, like that's what I'm, I've had that kind of, I'm like, no, you know, or it just, you know, I want to ask her about Robert Wagner. I'm going, no, 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 like that. Just, you know, have a little class, a little class, just a little um, so stuff. Most like of the that, time they do, yeah. sometimes not. But it's not like they're trying to do anything mean spirited. 
Yeah. They just figure with what social media has created, everybody's got a voice. Everybody's got to express everybody. Sometimes there are people that shouldn't be expressing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And they just don't get it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you just, so you be nice to them and you say, listen, you know, it's just not information I can give away. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, kindness and humility goes along with the Christmas spirit with what we're talking about, you know, these yeah. lessons in life and humility, um, especially in this weird circus called Hollywood. Now listen, there's, there's people who truly believe they're press and they yeah. don't understand. They're just a person. They're yeah. going to get older like everybody else and they're going to be gone like everybody else. The beauty and because you are AIDS. an Academy Award nominee or an Academy Award winner, whatever it is, does it make you any more of a person than somebody no. else? No, exactly. Yeah. Now, we understand you get inundated with requests for everything under the sun. We get that part of it. Mm -hmm. But to if somebody is respectful, why would you disrespect them? Yeah. Yeah. You know, unless they give you a reason. Yes. You know, but there are people whose egos are so out of hand, yeah. you know, that th they are more important. They have the team around them and they have the shtick and all that. And, and I you know what I've, I've noticed in my experience is that the people who haven't done a whole lot are the ones with the biggest egos. And the people who have been around a while are some of the kindest, in my own experience, I guess, are some of the kindest, just most like humble humans, you know, just like good well, people. The, most of the time, the people who have been around a long time understand life and they understand the ups and downs and whatever. The people who seem to get it quick, they mm -hmm. get that that quick thing of fame. Yeah. The ego gets out of hand. Like most of your reality TV people. Yeah. They believe that they're important. Yeah. You know, they actually believe this. Or like TikTok when, influencer people. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Uh, no, okay. It's weird. And I mean, listen, I've had incidents where those people have tried to explain to me how important they are. Because they're an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you what. Deal. I have um, how many followers or yeah. No. And I'm 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 and and but they'll tell me they're a fan. Yeah. Of, of mine, but then they'll tell me how important they are. And I look at them and I go, listen, come see me in 30 years. Let's see if anybody remembers you. Mm -hmm. Let's see if anybody knows who you are. Because yeah. I'm still gonna be here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or at least my legacy. I don't know if I'm going to be here another 35 years. That'd make me 89, but let's see what happens. Wouldn't bother me. It's okay. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm already, you know, I started in show business 45 years ago. Yeah. You know, the toy is 82 and Christmas story is 83 and okay, fine. I'm here a long time. Yeah. You know, and for people to turn around and, and pull the, Oh, don't you know who I am thing. And they're, they're basically a TikToker. Or yeah. an influencer. Yeah. Like, listen, anybody can do this. Hundreds of million, if a hundred million people can get out their phones mm -hmm. and do TikToks. Yeah. That doesn't make you a performer or an actor or a comedian or somebody who is respected in the show business community. Right. You know. Because when it comes down to it, that does, you know, I think it's it's like this this popularity and this whole thing with likes and follow whatever it's, you know, but it's uh, admiring oh, and respecting people who actually take the time to do this craft. Like this is a craft. Oh, listen, I've actually, I actually went yeah. to a meeting. I went to a, a business meeting. I think I was putting together a film and all this stuff. And he actually said to me, listen. You know, I think it'd be great in this and all that, but you don't have enough followers on social media. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yep. Oh. And I looked at him. I looked at him very nicely and said, listen, I'm not a 25 year old kid. I'm a 54 year old man. I'm not a TikTok guy. I'm not an Instagram every other minute oh, guy. Body's cringing for you. Right I, now. I don't. I don't crave. Oh my god! I don't crave that kind of attention. Oh. That's not who I am. There's there's other former child actors who do it. 
And they'll literally say, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to the store. Should I buy Northern bathroom tissue or Scott's bathroom? I mean, that's craving for attention, okay? And I'm like, that's uh, not me. No. You want to see, you want to see a good performance on the screen? I'm the guy you hired. You want to see a TikToker? God bless, enjoy. Well, it's class, you know. It's class, and it's res- it's res- more respectable, at least in my opinion, you know. But that's hey, that's not what some people are looking for. They want the influencers. I get so cringy about all of that. I think that's why all of my friends are like twice my age. It's like I can't deal with this. Like, you know, take a photo or I couldn't believe after the Hollywood show a couple weeks ago, I went to uh, went to Denny's across the street with a couple friends and. We were sitting there and we ordered and I will never, I don't think I'll ever forget this. It was just so weird. We order and we're like, we're at Denny's, you know, it's just like a little diner joint, you know? And um, we're sitting there and the waiter comes to our table after we order. And like when they bring out the food and he looks at us because a couple are actors, whatever. And and he goes, Oh, take picture, take picture of the food. And, and po-. he was like insisting that we take pictures of our like, omelets and like pancakes and we were just like we're good we're good he's like no no do it you know and we're like no (laughs) no (laughs) we're good (laughs) we just want to (laughs) eat it was so weird i don't know yeah that stuff just doesn't sit well you know there's a time and a place but it's uh listen i mean you know at the end of the day it's what you contribute to society yeah and if you contribute garbage and nonsense, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, you know, we'll just say there's a whole family that, that has done this for over 20 years and all, mm-hmm. and they do the show and the mm-hmm. and they have a whole team and they're billionaires. I'm going, congratulations. Yeah. But what have you created? Garbage. A, a fortune built on trash. Yeah. That's, that's, it. that's it. It's. And, and stooping. Yeah. There you go. It's just, you know, and, you know, bad publicity, yeah, still publicity. Good for them. You know, yeah. Good for them. Let them live and do whatever. But if you're going to, you know, if somebody's going to come at me and look for me to respect that. Yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, that that's just, that doesn't go there. You know, when, when you basically live off your breasts, your tush, mm-hmm. bikinis, and the rest of it. And yeah. this is the nonsense. Like, what and are you doing? You, and, and you want me to compare that, right? To working with Richard Pryor, Jackie Gleason, Liza Minnelli, Robert Klein, yeah, and and on and 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 Peter Billingsley, and you know, and and Vince Vaughn. Yeah. No, I'm not going to go there. No, can't do it. No, that's just stooping. That's that's lowering. Oh, Byron. <laughs> Hi, baby. I know. This is this is my <laughs> Say hi, buddy. Look at those eyes. He is such a sweetheart. Say you hi. You want to come and you want to come and say hello, mom's mom's He's not like, giving him enough attention. He's like, I hear you talking. What are you doing? All right, yeah. buddy. I mean, listen to to <laughs> having to audition for a Christmas story Christmas mm-hmm. for the role of Flick. You know that. We understand who created the the writing on the paper, but the forming yeah. of character as far as performance is me. Yeah. And now here we are 39 years later and I have to audition again for. That's the, wild to me. Yeah. We all did. We all did. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was funny when, when Peter told me, you know, listen, they want you to audition. I went, okay. Yeah. You know, oh. if, if I can't be me, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's so weird. That reminds me of this story. And I know this has happened to a, a few people probably. I've got a, a comedian um, actor friend who uh, auditioned and literally the role was like, they want, they specifically said like, you know, let's, let's call him James Thompson or something. The, the, the role literally was called a James Thompson type character. Right. Mm-hmm. And he goes and auditions for his own style, happened to me. Doesn't get it. Absolutely. I was like, I used, I, in in the in like seventy eight, seventy nine. Yeah. I was going up for commercials, and my agent would save the breakdown, and she would laugh, looking for a Scott Schwartz type. I can't. They're not looking for Scott Schwartz. Yeah, but they're looking for a Scott Schwartz type. when there is nobody Which like me. 
I don't get, I, I don't know, just the weird little inner workings yeah. of things. Like why, why? So, oh, I did the, so I did the video audition. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the director clay told me what he did. He watched my slate where you say your name and all that. He goes, they had given me two scenes to do. And I did them. He goes, I watched like 20 seconds. I saw your face, your reactions. You spoke. You're still you. Okay. Thanks. That was it. Yeah. Cool. So it wasn't like he was looking for something more specific than do I still have it? Do I still look semi the same? Can I bring it? Okay. Good. Yeah. I mean, because it's it's just appropriate. I mean, staying true blue, especially if you still, you know, you're still around, you're still there for it, you know. Well, this was this is a very fortunate project because yeah. there's five of us. Or, wait, wait. Peter, me, Yano, Zach, Ian, RD. There's six of us mm-hmm. that were all between the ages of seven and 14. Yeah. So we're going to do this all these years later. We're all here. None of us grew to be anything really more different than what we were. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of the uh, Cobra Kai, Ralph Macchio, Billy Zapka, Mark Cove. Yeah. Where, yes, we all got older, but we didn't dramatically change. Yes. So we could come back and do this. You're still here. You're all still. Yeah. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. it made, uh, it made a lot of sense for them to finally go, all right, we're bringing all the guys back. And nostalgia is in Cobra Kai, like I said. So, you know, it, uh, it, everything added to what's meant to be in this to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's brilliant. And it came out, was it November 17th? What is yeah, it? A couple of days ago, we started on HBO max. And I know, uh, I think December 3rd or 4th, it's going to be on all the other streaming services, Amazon prime and plus or whatever the hell it is. And, Great. You know, so people actually pay to see it, which would be great because we actually get a penny. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah those, those royalties. <laughs> we don't get anything from HBO Max, so it's part of the deal, but whatever. Well, you know, viewers, listeners, make sure you guys go watch Christmas Story Christmas. I'm excited to see it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm waiting till Thanksgiving. It uh, it's It's funny. It's sad. It will make you laugh and cheer. It will make you cry. You know, it's an emotional roller coaster experience. And so far, uh, you know, we're getting like eight something on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. You know, we're getting really, really good feedback. Wonderful. You know, which uh, may lead to more of something. Good. We yeah. hope so. I'm super yeah, so proud of you. Awesome. It'd be fun. Listen, spending time with the guys was great. That was the fun part. We're all the way from home. So it's no, hey, I got to go back to the wife and kids. Not in my case, but like, you know, Zach and RD. Mm-hmm. And we got to hang out and have breakfast and lunch and dinner. And then we go see a movie or whatever. And we're in my room shooting the bull and okay, fine. And then it's the next day, you know, and then we go to the set and we work and we do. It's sweet. It's like a little family. I mean, it is, you know, of course. So that's yeah, I really- mean, Peter, Peter did a great job. We all did great jobs. I mean, I don't really say me. We're all, I'm my own worst critic. I hate talking about me. We're all our own. Great. Zach is great. RD is fun. Ian was good. The guy who plays Larry is kind of the new guy at the bar. He's hilarious. Fantastic. Julie Haggerty was fantastic as the mom. Yes. You know, so, you know, Aaron was good as the wife and River as good as the kid and the and Juliana, the little girl. It it was a a good uh, uh a good bowl of peeps as you know, they just kind of Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's an ensemble. You know, there's I mean, we understand Ralphie is the star of Christmas story. Mm-hmm. But it's much as much of an ensemble as anything else because of all the other things that are involved, you know. Right. I'm looking so forward to seeing it, and all I think of you like it. Viewers and listeners, go watch it. It's definitely holiday, you know, getting gearing up for it. So appropriate. Very. And, appropriate. and you can go if if people like it and they want to go to see our site. It's a Christmas Story Family dot com or a Christmas Story Family backslash gifts.com or dot com backslash gift go to christmas story family you'll find it we're all doing stuff and we got autographs and all kinds of shirts and hats and all that kind of all the merch luggage. i got luggage i got my luggage finally last week yes you know, everybody go buy merch and take pictures and send them along with memes to scotty <laughs> yeah right thanks yes 
<laughs> no. Um, thanks so much for, for coming on. And uh, as a closing, how can people find you on social media? Uh, Scott Schwartz actor on Facebook. That's really the only one I have. So you can keep up with you. Definitely. Yeah, or you go or go to a Christmas story family.com. Yes. All right. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Do you have any closing words? Anything you want to say to uh, listeners, viewers? Thank you for your kindness, love and support and have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great Christmas season. Don't overeat. Don't eat too much sugar. Live long and prosper. I mean, you know, uh, all the good stuff to stay well, everybody. Yeah, definitely. Well, to you as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You got it. Don't don't hang up. I got to ask you something. Of course, of course. Yeah, we'll start recording. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been another episode of Calling Old Hollywood.